One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. I want to talk to you tonight about consciousness and um, really becoming conscious um, or or entering a higher level of sensitivity, consciousness, um, to the voice of the Lord. Um, A lot of people, um, when I start working with them, I realize that, yeah, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit you know, back in uh, 2001 or 1995, and I hear the Lord periodically, I might get a dream or a serious thing every couple of years, and my question to them is, why aren't you conscious of what He's saying to you every day? Right? What, what is He saying to you every day? And, you know, one of the, one of the things that uh, drives me is my prayer life. Um, anytime, um, you know, I talk, I'm always talking about my prayer life. Because if you, if you understand the purpose of a prayer life, um, it's actually designed to hear His voice, to, dr- to draw Him to, to hear, to speak to you. Um, because the more, the more He speaks into you, the more, the more He literally is reaching into you and unlocking more of the real you. Right? So every, every time I hear Him, I come out of prayer different than the way I, came, I went in. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you with me, church? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, um, so in, in Hebrews 9.14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Right? So, so how did Jesus serve God? Je- Jesus confounded the Pharisees, the religious folk. The religious folk went into the synagogue. They, went, they did their super spiritual stuff. They did their routines, right? They, they followed the law. They actually piled the law on top of the people. And Jesus came and they were like, how do you do these miracles? How do you cast demons out of people? How do you heal the sick? How do you do these supernatural things? They were like, why, is, why, is all the, why are all the people following this one guy where miracle signs and wonders are following him, right? And they, they were they were shocked. And Jesus Jesus said in, in John 5 19, he says, I only do what I see my father doing in heaven. Right? So the, so Jesus was revealing a supernatural connection to the Father. That he actually lived a life of prayer, right? It says that he w- would go day and night, day and night into prayer. He would come out and one day he's saying, Alright boys, saddle up. We're going to the woman at the well, right? Next week he comes out of prayer. All right, boys, we're going to the feed the five thousand, right? A week later, all right, boys, we're going to deliver the demoniac who's chained to the tombs in Mark five, right? Yeah. How did he do it? Did, did, was because he was the son of God? He just decided where he was going and picked and chose. No, he he actually demonstrated the life of a of a son or a daughter living supernatural who's dedicated in a prayer life to hear God. Right? Because if you hear God, if He shows you vision, He's actually showing you what He wants to do. Yes. Right? So you guys are going to see me prophesy. I'll, I'll prophesy over you guys uh, here later tonight. 
Um, and you'll 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 see me, you'll hear me talk about this is what the Lord is showing me. Okay? And the way my gift works is I'll stand in front of a person, the Lord, the Lord will show me a picture of you, and he'll he'll typically show me two pictures and he'll connect both of them. Um, he'll give me a current state, he'll give me a future state, and he'll actually reveal and begin to speak to me about why and how and what is holding back versus where he wants to send and establish and empower. Okay? And, I mean, what I'm explaining to you really is the gift of prophecy. The gift, the gift of prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit, like the, like the word of knowledge, mm-hmm. is actually about having a deep connection to, to hear the voice of God. Okay? Yes. And, the, and my gift is no... I don't really think it's anything that is beyond anybody else. No. It's actually I just agree. a matter of everybody else being awakened to the reality that the Lord is speaking and our prayer life is actually, um, it should be designed to unlock and hear what the Lord is saying. Because as Jesus as Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing, um, right? The, the, Lord, the, the Lord actually told us that He was going to send the Holy Spirit, right? That we were to wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, He would lead us into all truth, right? He would reveal things to us. We would be able to discern supernaturally and we wouldn't look like the powerless world, a victim of the world. We would look like the supernatural force that we're supposed to be. Yes. Okay? And unfortunately, the majority of what we call the church um, is comfortable sitting in a pew believing that all they're supposed to do is be this little powerless church sitter in a pew. But that's not you, right? No. Right? You're, you're, you guys are in this Mark 16 stuff, right? Go into the world, preach the gospel. Okay, These man. signs will follow those that believe in my name. You will yes. cast out demons. Yes. Yes. You will take up serpents, right? You will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. You'll pray in tongues. Yes. Jesus said that, right? Jesus said, if I send you, signs will follow you. Not maybe, will. Right? So, okay, you look yourself in the mirror. What signs are following me? Right? Anybody look in the mirror lately? What signs are following me? Right? And, and so, I'm not saying that to be derogatory, but when the blood of Jesus actually cleanses you, your conscience becomes Holy Spirit-centered instead of world-centered. Right? And so, so when, when the conscience is, is cleansed, um, you're, you actually learn how to set your mind on hearing what the Lord is saying. Because I know, I mean, me walking in here as a mere man, and somebody says, can you pray for me? And I say, all right, brother, man, I just, I hope it goes well for you. Lord bless this man. (laughs) You know, that's kind of a cheesy, powerless prayer, right? But if I walk in and I say, all right, Lord, what are you saying about this guy? And he starts, bam, he starts giving, giving this lightning vision, right? And, and tears start running down this guy's face, and, um, the Lord starts revealing that you've been held back here, but the Lord is sending you there, right? Um, something that's a spirit to spirit connection, yeah. right? Yeah. And the Lord says that's how we're supposed to flow. We're not supposed to be earthbound. We're actually supposed to be heavenbound, yes. right? Amen. Amen. And so, and so, um, you know, the connection to the spirit. There's a lot of there's a lot of religion. There's there's a lot of religions around here that try to connect to um, they they actually try to transcend the limitations of their body, right? They sit in their yoga stance, 
and they, mm, right? I mean, like when I used to go to India, I mean, they worship everything. Everything is a god in India. Um, there's 30, 40, 50 foot statues of the elephant god, the monkey god, and all, I mean, people are laying in front of them, right? And literally worshiping them, and they're, try, they're trying, um, they're trying desperately to find, they don't care, don't worship anything with the intent of maybe this is the right one. And when, when I go over there and somebody gets healed and somebody, you know, a blind person gets healed or whatever it is, you know, they start, they run to the, they run to the altar and I would tell, have my interpreter, you know, in, in India, you can preach about Jesus, you just can't preach that he's the only God. And, you know, the police and all that stuff, everybody's worried about, you know, what's going to happen. And my interpreter, he's, I mean, he's shaking like a leaf because he knows what I'm going to do next. And I say, tell him that Jesus is the one true God and all these others are a bunch of lies. He's, he's, he's like, oh, really? I'm like, tell him. And he's shaking. He's going, Jesus is the one true God. Because, he, you know, he thinks he's going to get arrested and stuff, right? You know, maybe, maybe you are. Maybe I'm just naive. But I'm like, I'm not going to go preach without confronting the dead lying the idol that keeps people bound to powerlessness. Yes. And so Jesus says this one true God he actually died um, so that you could be uh, God conscious, right? Because if you're still worried about what you didn't do, what you couldn't do, what you can't do, um, bound in fear, bound in pain, bound in limitation, you may not have been cleansed. I might be meddling a little bit, but if you're if you if you're more worried about the fear that you feel present then what the power of Jesus that has the power over fear, then we might have some, some work to do. Yeah. Okay? That doesn't mean that if you feel fear that something's wrong with you. I walk into all kinds of places, into cities, into countries, and um, I feel fear. I just don't bow to fear. Mm-hmm. I, actually t- I actually, when I sense fear, I turn to fight fear. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's what I want to talk to you about. Um, but the power of it all is connected to what are you conscious of? Right? What do you actually give your mind to? What do you give your heart to? Have you given your heart truly to Christ? Right? I see a lot of people, they come forward, they, they're crying in an altar, um, but a week later they're still living their same old life, drunk or what, whatever it is, and they've never actually been captured by the heart of God chasing the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because the power of the Holy Spirit... Um, is actually where the peace, the joy, right? The, the revelation, the healing, that, that's where it's all at, right? Yes. So why would you give your mind to the thing that bound you in the old versus giving your heart to the one that has power over all those things, yes. right? Because G- Jesus conquered sin, right? Yet if, if you believe that as a Christian, Jesus actually became sin. He who knew no sin became sin, right? That's what the mm-hmm. Bible says. Mm-hmm. And so when He took it to the grave... Right? He took it to the grave. He, he took the keys. He, he took the keys out of the hand of Satan. So when he's resurrected, right? When Jesus comes up out of the grave, not only does Jesus have the keys of life, but Jesus has the keys of death and sin. So Revelation 1.18 says, Jesus carries the keys of death and sin. So if Jesus has all keys and Satan has zero keys, why would you give place to a God that has no power and authority 
called Satan when the one who's been resurrected says, I will give you all keys. Yes. Are you with me, church, right? Yes. I mean, Matthew 16, Jesus is walking down the road. He says, who do men say that I am, right? And they're all saying this prophet, that prophet, this, that. And, and Jesus says, no, who do you say that I am? Who do you believe in your heart I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, right? And P Jesus turns to Peter and says, upon this rock, this revelation that who I, of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys. So if Jesus has all keys and Satan has zero keys, all he can do is deceive you. Why would you give your mind and heart to yeah. brokenness and despair and, and pain and fear and anxiety and worry, right? Yeah. Right? So Jesus says, I will give you these keys and the gates of hell will not prevail, right? Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. What does that mean? That means that, means that, as, you, that as you are connected to the one who speaks, if he lets you see it, he's ready to do it. So your prayer life is the most powerful piece of your relationship. Your prayer life. What do you hear in your prayer life? I'm not talking about going into your prayer life and saying, all right, Lord, I want an F-150. I want one of those big uh, houses down on Treasure Island. Right? And you go through your list. That's not, that's not a prayer life. That's a want list. A prayer life is about your heart cry crying out to the Lord spiritually. How does the Lord say He'll hear you? Through our cries. Through your cry, right? So, so what is the cry of of what is the cry of your spirit? Growing. The cry, the cry of your spirit. People don't understand the gifts of tongues, um, because the the cry of your spirit. The reason that He actually gives you the Holy Spirit is so the Spirit can pray through you, right? Yes. Romans eight twenty six. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes groanings, intercession That's through right. us. That's we right. don't understand it, but we let the Spirit you, cry through us. Right? So when the Spirit cries through us, right. connected to the Father, the Father promises to speak to you. Right? That's the second part of the verse. Yeah. For he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the perfect will of God. So he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit. Wait, so there's two people there. Right? There's two people. He who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit. Who's he? He is Jesus. The one who sits at the right hand of the Father. Right? The one, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father is, is the supernatural one waiting for you as a son or daughter to let the Spirit cry through you. Right? So, if, so, so he gives you this amazing gift of tongues. And you, you have no idea what to pray for, as the scripture says, right? We have no idea what to pray for. But the Holy Ghost prays through me. Wait, you mean it's this simple? I just have to go, Chateau Bresse, Porta Labre, Edembre. And the Lord says, if you pray according to the voice of the Spirit, the cry of the Spirit, he who sits at the right hand of the Father is, knows the mind of the Spirit. And if you pray the, and let the will of the Spirit pray through you, you are praying what? The perfect will of God. So how, how committed are you in your prayer life? Daily? 
Five minutes. I pray. Five hours. I pray throughout the day. And, and Amen. Do, and uh, my prayer language and tongues. So, so the dreams and visions flow in your I've life. Had, I've had dreams and visions just not in a while. Well, we're gonna get that fixed tonight. <laughs> because, because vision should be a daily occurrence. And I'm only speaking from experience. When I first started to pray 15, 12, 17 years ago now, whenever I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I first started to pray, I didn't have I didn't have anything other than I don't know why I'm praying like this, but I can't stop praying. <laughs> but then the but then the, the visions came and prophecy came and dreams came. Um, and then that grew into a point of standing in front of crowds of people and the Lord speaking to me continuously about every person that He puts in front of me. Okay? And so I'm only speaking from um, a guy who prayed six hours a day for a year and probably three to five hours a day for over ten years. That if you commit your heart to the Spirit, He will mature you in a way that is so beyond your own ability that it can't be explained other than that that was something done by God. Right? So your prayer life will dictate you stepping into who you really are. Okay? Okay? I mean, when I first started, I couldn't, I couldn't prophesy. I couldn't do anything. I cast out a few devils. I don't know why that happened, but it just started happening. I mean, that was my gift when, when, I, first started, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Any person I stood in front of, devils came flying out of them. Okay? But as the gift matured, I started, I started to um, prophesy and words of knowledge and, and deep insight into people's lives. Um, and it just grew and grew and grew, okay? To, to the point where, I mean, I've stood in front of people for five, six hours a day prophesying over a hundred plus people in a day, um, something I couldn't do 10 years ago, okay? So, can, can I, I think the takeaway is this. Um, your, your prayer life will reveal something in you and through you it is so supernatural you could not you could never take credit for it okay does that make sense yes. so the point of consciousness is realizing that he give, he actually held, he held nothing back from you when jesus said stay in this city in luke 24 he told the disciples stay in this city until i send upon you the holy spirit right and on the day of pentecost the holy spirit is poured out upon the 120 in the upper room and it changed the world right did Jesus give them everything they needed? He gave them the Holy Spirit. Right? They, they, had, they had no Bible at the time. The only Bible, the only, the only written Scripture was in the, in the temple from the Jewish leaders. Right? And there was no New Testament. So what did they have to rely on? They got this supernatural prayer language that made them supernatural and they went into the world and shook the world. So who's baptized in the Holy Ghost? Do you have any excuses? No. That would be zero, goose egg, zero, right? Absolutely none. So the only thing, the only thing between you and a, and a supernatural life is, is your prayer life. Amen? Does that make sense? Yes. So, so I, I, I want to, I wanna, there, there's a demeanor that is, I think, really important that the Lord is doing in this hour because um, He's sending people into very dark places in the world. He, he's always been sending people into dark places. 
that our world is becoming extremely dark. I don't know if, if, if you can relate to that, um, but our world is becoming extremely dark in many ways, and the Lord is revealing an, a, an aspect of His nature that is extremely important for all of us to grab hold of, okay? And it's connected to your revelation that He didn't call you to be this powerless person sitting in a pew chair. He called you to be um, of His nature, which is somebody who goes into the world and dominates. Did Jesus wake up and say, I don't know, I, I just don't think we ought to pray for anybody. I'm just going to hang out here today under the palm trees and we're just going to chill. <coughs> or did Jesus wake up and say, bring the broken, bring the lost, bring, bring the blind, the lame, bring the demonized, bring them all, right? Yes. He, he, he actually offered... Um, his service to the world at all times. And at the end of the day, Jesus went into the darkest places of the earth. Right? Yeah. Jesus Jesus actually picked fights. <laughs> he actually he, Jesus actually picked fights, right? Jesus Jesus uh, you know Jesus's um, his mantra uh, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to pick a fight. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, set the captive free, release those bound in prison, right? Is that a, is that a soft view? Yeah. No. He's actually looking for what the dark has claimed and taken and owned and caused sickness and, and made people miserable, took their, took their hope, took their faith, took everything, and he says... I want to go into that dark heart. I am not afraid of, of who calls me this or who calls me that. I have the power that the Father gave me to release His vision, to release His, His desire, and when I speak, things happen. Right? Yes. So the whole story starts out, the whole story, the, whole, the, the, the story of the Bible starts out in Genesis 1, right? It says that the, the, it's, the world was dark and the Lord was afraid of it. Is that true? No, no that's actually opposite. Everybody's looking at me like, what? I'm setting you up. Yeah. So, so you, have, you have this dark world, and it says that the Lord hunted it. It actually, the Lord actually spoke into the darkness. Yes. And the darkness, what? The darkness could not stop the light. Could not stop it. So let's let's uh, let's take this a step further. So so uh, Jesus actually, um, you know, he he actually is looking um, for where the Father is sending him. Which dark place are you sending me to? Right. Um, in John one. John 1 chapter, yeah, John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word um, was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made. Okay, so we have the Holy Spirit hovering in the darkness, waiting for somebody to release His Word, Right? The Son of God, the Word, the living Word, right? He's known in heaven as what? In Re Revelation 19. The Word. Written on His thigh is the Word. The Word is a person, right? The Word speaks. He's speaking right now. And the, and the key is, are we hearing Him? And do we have His heart 
to not fear this world, but say, yes, Lord, send me to this dark place in Tibet. Yes, Lord, send me to this place in Malaysia. Send me, Lord, to Los Angeles where they have this satanic underground and they steal our kids. Wait, I don't want to go there. What if He called you there? Do you know that if He gives you the vision, He gives you all the power, all the ability, everything needed to own what He is speaking to you and go do it? Yes. So the issue is not... The, the only issue there is is hearing Him. Okay, Because if you hear Him, if you grab hold of His vision and you hold on to His vision, you're going to be sent places. There is nobody I know that's ever heard God that didn't be sent somewhere where they started to shake and say, I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to happen. <laughs> right? That's actually the evidence that it's not you, it's actually God, and He has to equip you. You actually have to trust that when you walk in, you, you get off this plane and you land in, in this foreign ground and you, you get off the plane, you're going you're gonna to walk like this? You, you, you're going to walk like this? You're going to be like, yeah, he's right here. <laughs> guy's right here, right? The, the baddest man on the planet, Jesus Christ, is right here with me. Amen? Amen? And so, when the Holy Spirit comes, it says he'll lead you into all truth. Jesus, Jesus actually said in... in in John, uh, John 14, right? When the Spirit of truth comes, He will lead you into all truth. So, so, again, Jesus points. The only thing that Jesus sent was His Holy Spirit. The thing He relied on to speak to Him. Right? Amen? And so, I want to talk to you about this concept of speaking into darkness. If I were to say that... Your number one role as a person interpreting the Spirit of God was to judge. What would you say? That wasn't really a trick question. <laughs> How many of you heard judge not lest you be judged? Has that trained you to actually sit back and be powerless? I better not. I better, I better you know, I just want to be a good Christian. That's, that's one of the biggest lies that have infiltrated the church because the context of judge not lest you be judged was actually meant to um, keep people from functioning in the wrong spirit, imprisoning, captive, breaking them down, right? You can't do this. You're never going to do that. You're never going to measure up, right? That's the wrong spirit. So, so that, in that context, yeah, judge not lest you be judged. But Jesus actually declared war and said he would come to judge. That's right. Right? That's right. So the concept of judgment, you better have the right mentality around judgment because Revelation uh, 19, verse 10, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So to testify in Christ is to actually know what the Word is saying right now out of heaven and speaking what he's doing. Where, where is he sending you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, not do, right? Who are you going to speak to, right? So actually, when, 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 when the prophetic comes on you, the prophetic um, is so powerful because it has nothing to do with you. You just know the Lord and you begin to interpret what He's saying to you. You're actually in the nature of Christ, hunting the darkness, hunting uh, the very thing that He act actually is sending you to, 
and you begin to judge it. Okay? And so in Revelation 19, uh, 10, um, okay, so I read 10. Um, I'm going to read 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. He who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes are a flame of fire, right? Robe dipped in blood, crown upon crown on his head. He's riding his white horse. His, his, his tongue is a, is a sword, right? And on his leg is the word of God. But the key word here I want to emphasize is when he comes out of heaven, he judges and makes war. Isn't that the same as in the beginning, right? Yeah. The world was void and without form, right? The darkness, the, the Spirit of God was released, present, and the Word spoke into it, and the light actually drove away the darkness. Yes. Is that not judgment? It is. That is heaven judging over the darkness, right? What I actually just described there is prophecy. That's what words of knowledge and the gifts of the Spirit, whenever you are actually hearing the Lord, you actually begin to release. This is the Lord's vision. Here's a word of knowledge. You're this, but you're that. Here's a prophecy. In five years, you're going to be doing this. Right? You have no idea. It's dark. You have, you're void. You're without form. And the Lord actually judges that lack of form and actually releases His form. Right? He is actually speaking into that dark place that does not exist and the darkness can't stop what the Lord is speaking. So how powerful is prophecy? A lot of churches think that, well, I believe in Jesus, but prophecy and words of knowledge and gifts of healing, those are kind of optional things. And I'm like, dude, you missed it. You missed it. You actually are rejecting the very presence of God right here, right now. So you're going to say you believe in Jesus and you're sitting in that pew, but He's not speaking right now confronting darkness. Everywhere I go, I don't know why, but Jesus starts to confront darkness. He starts to confront lack. He starts to confront inability. He starts to confront the need of deliverance. He starts to confront the need of healing. He starts to confront all the lies that this world has piled on every one of you, and somehow He starts to judge. And when He judges... That darkness doesn't have a chance. You're broken, you're ashamed, you're afraid, and you're depressed. And somehow when you get up off the ground, ah, you're ready to take on the world. How does he do it? He judges what held you down, raises you up, and sends you. Get the picture? Yes. Amen? And so this picture of judgment is a, is a huge thing, right? The, the word judgment is the Greek word krino. Um, it means to uh, properly separate, distinguish, and identify. So he's separating you from the dark thing that identified you, and he's re-identifying you according to his vision. Amen. You get a vision from God, baby, it's on. That, people say, why do you pray? Because when I got my first vision... I went into my prayer room and I couldn't do this. And the next thing you know, I come out of my prayer room because he imparted something to me in a vision. He changed my life and now I can do that. Now he sends me to do this. Six months later, I go into my prayer room and the next thing you know, I come out two days later and I, I, I got this vision that we're going to go down to the YMCA and these kids that are sitting in that YMCA every day doing nothing are going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost 
And they're going to set their elementary school on fire. <coughs> Amen? Amen? Get in the picture? The context of, of judgment is, is an extremely important thing. Look at your neighbor and say, you were born to judge. Born in, righteousness in righteousness and make war. And make war. You were born in Christ, in Christ to drive out darkness, to drive out darkness by, releasing the vision of God. by releasing the vision of God. In Jesus' name. <laughs> you see, Paul said this. He said, he said in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, he says, I wish you all pray in tongues even more than you prophesy. Amen? Yep. So why aren't all churches prophesying? Because the devil is not afraid of you coming to an altar. Because you going to an altar doesn't change his future. But when you go to that altar and you get up suddenly praying in the Holy Ghost and you are moving from not just praying to now prophesying, that's why Paul said, I wish you all pray in tongues even more that you prophesy because the gifts of the Spirit are actually Christ's presence. Jesus actually speaking through His body, through His army. That's you, by the way, right? That's all of you. Yes. That's not just a preacher that He sent to India. That's not just some guy who was sent, sent to Tampa or, or whatever. That's you and you, right? That's all of you. You are the army of God. And Satan fears a person who is so overcome by the Holy Ghost and you chase, you turn around and with your heart chase the one who has chased down you. And together you become this supernatural force. All right, Lord, where are we going today? What are we doing today? Oh my gosh. Can you, can you imagine what life would be like instead of eh, 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 time to get up and make the donuts and you roll out of bed it's like, <laughs> Right? Come on, how many, how many of you do that? What would it look like when your alarm goes off? Or maybe your alarm doesn't even have to go off because the Lord's waking you up at 4.30 for your daily prayer time. And you're like, oh, yeah! And you roll out of bed. You run into your prayer room and you start to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, the presence of the Lord comes on you. And it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And the next thing you know, Jesus is starting to speak to you about your life, about your wife's life, about your children's life about your neighborhood, about the guy around the corner who needs Jesus, about your boss and what his need is and what his wife's need is, right? About what your church need is, whatever, right? Yeah. What, would, what would your whole existence and expectation be if you truly had a mind that was conscious of Christ? Mm. That Jesus can change anything at any moment, all you need to hear him. And you wouldn't be afraid of the day. The day would fear you. Wow. I mean, come on. How would you walk, man? How, how would you walk, baby? I mean, would you walk with a, with a little bit of, you know, swagger, right? And so, you get the picture? You see, Jesus, Jesus said this in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon the serpent and the scorpion over all the supernatural power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Right? So who do you fear? Do you fear the darkness or do you fear God? Oh, God. Amen. You fear God. Right? And so I just want to touch on, on, a, on a subject for a minute. Um, the concept of being born again 
Um, I kind of already alluded to it, but you know, just making a trip to an altar and saying I believe in Jesus doesn't necessarily mean you were born again. Jesus said there would be evidence of you being born again. Right? In John chapter 3, um, he says, if you're born again, you will see the kingdom. Right? Then he says, if, if you are born again, you will enter the kingdom. And in verse 7, he says, if you are born again, you will be moved by the wind. Right? What, what's he mean by the wind? He's talking about the Spirit of God. Right. What came on the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 2, the wind. The wind came out of heaven, meaning the, the voice is speaking, the wind comes, and they're never the same again, right? They're never ever the same again. They're lit on fire. They go into the world and shake up the world, right? So they're actually moved by the wind. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it, it says, Do not be ignorant of the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. The word gifts there is italicized. It actually didn't exist. They actually added it to describe. The word in front of the word gift is the word pneumaticos. It's a Greek word that means wind. Do not be ignorant of the wind. Don't try to play church without the wind. Don't try to live your life without the wind. Don't try to fake being a Christian without the wind. It's not possible. And he goes on and he starts to explain that the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, healing, uh, words of knowledge, right? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, discernment and, and, and wisdom, right? These are all gifts of the Spirit. They're a function of the wind, right? But back to, back to Jesus' explanation of being born again. He says, if you're born again, you will see the kingdom. He's talking about vision. It's the same word described as Jesus getting, the, getting his, get, seeing what the Father is doing. Right? So Paul is saying that the church will gather around the wind. The wind will speak. And the church will begin to move because the wind moves. The church doesn't move unless the wind moves. So the church should be centered around making the wind move. How do you make the wind move? You learn how to pray. Right. Because if you learn how to pray, you learn how to cry out, the wind starts to flow. And when the wind starts to flow, the church can't be stopped. And the problem with most of the church is there's no wind. Because if there was wind, there would be power. And if there would be power, there would be resurrections. There would be healings. There would be people um, getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. There would be people couldn't be stopped. Right? Yes. There would be people on a weekly basis being sent places. You been sent anywhere lately? Come on, church. Because if, because if, because if the wind's blowing in your life, you're not going to be sitting still. Come on, man. If the wind's blowing in your life, you're not going to be sitting still. Visions and dreams are going to flood your heart and you won't be able to sit still. You'll start to shake. You'll, start, you'll be waking up at night. The, the fire of God will be on you. Your hands will burn. All right, baby. We're, we're doing it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we're doing it. Right? And so... <clears throat> You know, the born-again the born again thing is, is an extremely important thing. That you learn to wrap your mind around what Jesus really meant to be born again. You are to be conscious that, number one, he's, His intent is to speak to you. He's not angry at you. Right? His intent is to literally speak to you. He promised. He promised to speak to you. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.17 uh, says that... Um, 
If you are in Christ Jesus, you are made a new creature. Right? The term new creature is, he's actually, when he comes on you, when his spirit comes on you, and he begins to speak to you, he forms you into something that didn't exist before. Right? You, you, be, you literally are born. He, he, and he's the only one that can birth you. You can't sit there like one of these Scientology guys. You can't read enough and conform to what is written. You can't do it on your own. You can't, you can't make yourself fit the mold. You get the picture? You can't fit the mold. Right? You can't, you can't be a transcendentalist yoga guy and, hmm, you know, do enough hmms. Right? And, and get there. The Lord is very specific. He gives you His prayer language and He promises to respond to those who pray. He promises to send the wind. Amen? Amen. It's not an if, it's a way. Okay? And so this new creature thing is a recognition that, oh my gosh, Jesus really made me new. I mean, I feel new. How many of you struggle with fear, anxiety, depression? Okay, that's real. I'm not going to say deny that because denying it doesn't face the problem. But you have to recognize that if Jesus took your sin upon you, took it to the grave, and He made you new, right? If, he, if He's true, why do you still feel it? Because your mind has not been made new yet. You haven't set your mind on the fact of what He has made you. How does, how does your mind get renewed? He actually speaks vision. He actually redefines your life. Right? I mean, I, I, I've got a book. It's probably two, 200 pages of visions and dreams that the Lord has given me personally. Not stuff that's in my books and everything else. I'm talking about personal things that He spoke to me. Alright, Dave. You remember when this happened to you when you were about 11? We're going to rip that out. For the next two months, crying on the floor as that lie comes out of me as that demonic power comes out of me and he's reforming me into what he has defined me to be amen mm-hmm. i don't know what your prayer life looked like but my 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 prayer life especially in the early days i was a sobbing mess come out crying for three hours the lord shaking me ripping out powerlessness ripping out fear ripping out the lies of insignificance and somehow he speaks day after day after day and what he spoke actually came to fruition. Imagine that. Yeah. Amen? you got to wrap your mind on the fact that you may not feel it. You may actually may feel fear, right? You're allowed, you're allowed to feel it. It's actually what you do with it. You actually take it or you fight it. I fight it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Does everybody fight it? You know how to fight it? Huh? Right. Yeah. So, so um, Jesus actually said this to the church of Thyatira uh, when he's talking about Jezebel. He says, "I have this against you that you tolerate her." Mm. Right. So, when a powerless church, when a church becomes powerless, it actually learns coping techniques. It, it learns to tolerate insignificance, pain, suffering, fear, anxiety. You actually um, think. And set your mind, even though He's touched you, you're still setting your mind on the dark. Right? 
And he's actually saying, I'm, I've, I'm coming here to impart something to you that you would set your mind on what I have said, what I've renewed you to be, what, I, what, I've empo- what I'm empowering you to be, right? And so the concept of a new creature, you really have to wrap your mind. This is about maturing spiritually, okay? This is, this is about the reality that you don't bow to what you feel and, and sense and what you lack. You actually chase what He has defined you to become. Right? Because he, he will fulfill the vision. Yes. Right? He, sp- he spoke to the prophet Jeremiah. He says he touched his mouth. He says, what I let you see in the vision will root up, tear down, and destroy the dark, will build, plant, and establish the new. And then he asked him, I'm showing you a vision, Jeremiah. This is in chapter 1, right? He says, I'm showing you a vision, Jeremiah. What do you see? Jeremiah says, I see an almond branch, Right? And he goes on to describe it. And the Lord says, you have seen well, for I will execute what I let you see. So are you? is Jeremiah the only guy that God cares about? No. Jeremiah is actually an example of a person connected prophetically to the Lord that if you get a vision, my God, my life's changing. If I get a vision, my God, the whole, the whole family is going to be delivered. If I get one vision, right? India is going to be shaken. How do, you, how do you explain? How do you explain a guy having a series of dreams and the next thing you know he's standing in front of 10,000 people in, in India? Right? And seeing miracles. I couldn't do that. All I did was I, got a, I received a dream and the next thing you know I bought my ticket and when I bought my ticket people started walking up to me and saying... I don't know why, but I feel this thing. I'm still, I think the Lord's saying I'm supposed to give you $1,000. I had, I had attorneys that aren't even Christian at work walking up to me and saying, I just feel like I'm supposed to give you this. I mean, in a, in a modern workplace, here's $500. Here's $1,000. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't take any credit other than the Lord gave me a dream. I said yes, and it flowed out. Amen. And so you may say, well, I don't know, how, how's, how's that really work? How, how, does, um, how does that work in my life? Um, all I can testify to you is, is your prayer life becomes so important that you become so conscious of the Lord so, and you believe so profoundly that as you pray, you know He's going to speak to you. As you pray in tongues, you know He's going to speak to you. And when He does... It's for real. Amen? Amen. When I first got to India, the first, the first couple days I was there, I was preparing all these messages. I'd been, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to India. And I, you know, the, my, the contact, the guy I didn't know that I'm sending thousands of dollars to that I had to trust because that's who the Lord had called me. Still have no idea how this works. Right? I'm preparing all these messages. Because uh, he says, oh yeah, we got you set up with pastors. We got you set up with crusades at night. We got you set up with churches all day, preaching, prophesying 12 hours a day. I don't, I don't know how it all worked, but so I'm preparing all these messages, right? And so when I get there, the Lord, the Lord comes into my room and He says this. He goes, I didn't, I didn't bring you here to tell them about me. I brought you here to introduce me. And the next thing you know, He, he starts talking to me about trusting His vision. 
Okay? And when I start trusting his vision, I mean, I would go church service to pastoral service to crusade, and all I would do is stand up and say, it's what the Lord is saying, and there'd be hundreds of people come and get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it other than learning to trust that, number one, the Lord is going to speak. And when He does speak, supernatural things happen. Right? How, how, many, how many of you have been going to churches uh, over the years and um, hundreds of people walk out the exact same way they walk in? Right? But what happens when you walk in and the pastor says, you know what, there's not going to be any preaching today. Um, and he says, uh, Tommy here had a dream. Tommy's going to share the dream. And when he shares the dream, 50 people get baptized in the Holy Ghost or some supernatural thing because the group let the Lord speak through the body. Amen? And so, um, I'll tell you a quick story before we pray here. Um, Because I I had a dream this morning I want to share with you um, that I I believe is what the Lord wants to speak to you about. Okay? But before I get to that... um, I had this experience in uh, in 2018. I was in India, um, just landed in, in a in a city called Vijawada, and um, uh, the Lord wakes me up in the morning. It's the morning we're supposed to have this pastors conference, and in India, you um, typically have to pay five dollars uh, a person, five dollars a pastor to get them there. They they organize um, buses and stuff. And they drive around. And so when I go, if I budget, you know, when you go to a third world country, there's no such thing as offerings or anything, right? I mean, it has, it's actually, I have to raise money and then budget money before I go, okay? So in this particular pastor's meeting, we, we budgeted for 100 pastors, right? 500, 500 bucks. Um, and so we're on a strict budget because I have crusades, thousands of dollars invested in crusades and other things we're doing. So we're doing we're doing a hundred we're planning for a hundred pastors. And so this pastor organizes this. He he get he he believes he has about a hundred pastors lined up. Okay. And so I show up uh, to the city the night night before. I, I go to bed. The Lord wakes me up in the morning. And when he wakes me up in the morning, he shows me a picture of a pregnant woman, a very pregnant woman, um, that is crying because she has a, a python snake wrapped around her belly, and this snake is squeezing the life out of her and, and trying to kill her baby. Um, and the next thing the Lord shows me is this angel stands beside the woman, takes this, the serpent by the head, and begins to uncoil the, the serpent. Um, and the Lord, the Lord starts to speak to me about um, this is what's going to happen today uh, with my church. I'm going to take the constriction off my church and what the enemy thought he was going to kill, I'm going to bring to life. And I start, I start, oh my gosh. Uh, I start asking the Lord more questions. I start, what, all right, so what, what, what do you want me to do? How's this going to happen? The next thing you know, it's 8 o'clock. My phone, my phone rings. Guess what? Our meetings at 10 o'clock. You know, we have a full day. We have like um, three sessions scheduled that day. My phone rings at 8 o'clock, and it's the pastor. And he says, David, you're not going to believe this. It is only 8 o'clock. I'm like, yes, I know it's only 8 o'clock. He goes, 
There is already 150 pastors here. What are we going to do? Where are, do you have more money? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man. I, we'll just, I don't know. I'll ask the Lord, right? <laughs> Click. 15 minutes later, he calls me back. David, you're not going to believe this. 200 pastors. We're only budgeting for 100. What are we going to do? I don't know. Well, this goes on. By the time I, I get there, 430 pastors wow. are in this place. It's an act of God. There, there were guys that came from hours away. How they heard about it, I don't know. But they came from hours away because they heard that people were going to be equipped with the Spirit of the living God. Okay? Um, and so I walk into this place. The pastor runs up to me, grabs me by the shirt. David! What are we going to do? Because his reputation's on the line, right? I mean, and I don't know. I just I took I took some money. We we figured it out, but that wasn't the big deal. As long as we got him home, I don't. I still don't know how this worked out, but we got him home. But the point the point is this: they call me up, they introduce me, and when you introduce me, you know, there's four hundred plus guys in out there, um, and I start to ask them. Who knows the Holy Spirit? Who has ever prophesied? Who has ever, ever had a dream? And like crickets, man. I'm talking like five guys raised their hand. None, none of them knew anything about... None of them prayed in tongues. They were actually taught by, by uh, certain denominations. Tongues, not for today. Um, Spirit of God, really not needed. You just need to study your Scripture. Right? This powerless form of Christianity. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because that's what I do. I mean, I love, I love going to, to do these things, okay? Um, the Lord equipped me to do it. I, I love to do it. And when I usually go, they usually all get filled with the Holy Ghost. But on this particular day, the Lord was going to demonstrate through this vision what the Lord was going to do, okay? And so the Lord, uh, as, as, as the, you know, I'm standing up, I'm asking these questions. As I'm starting to, starting to talk, the next thing you know, you hear this commotion in the back, in the very back corner of, of, of the place, and there's this woman screaming. And I'm like, what's going on? And because and, I can't talk, she, she's rolling like her, she's screaming so loud. Um, I said, go, I told my interpreter, go see what's going on. I mean, and so we're, I'm literally standing on stage like this, waiting. Um, he, he comes running back and he says, all right, she's eight months pregnant, her baby stopped. Her baby's heartbeat stopped three days ago. Um, the doctors want her to go get the baby taken care of, but she came here because she believes her baby's going to be brought back to life. I said, bring her up. So we brought her up, okay? Now, I already have vision. The only, the only reason I'm bold at this point is because I have this vision from the King of Kings, this one who has crown upon crown and burning eyes of fire, right? The one who says, I want to come out of heaven. I'm waiting for somebody to believe my vision, okay? And so we bring her up. I have her explain in front of everybody what the situation is. Her baby's pronounced dead three days in her womb. <laughs> and I put my hand on her and we start to pray. Nothing happens. We keep praying. Five minutes, nothing happens. Ten minutes, nothing happens. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm praying, and we're, I'm like, I'm praying. 
I'm praying in English and I'm praying in tongues. I'm praying in English. I'm commanding this baby to, to come to life and I'm praying in tongues. And they're all looking at me like, okay, we understand English, but what's that? I command you to come to life in the name of Jesus. I got a vision from God that says He is removing the constriction and, and He is bringing life back into this child in Jesus' name. And the next thing you know, I felt a kick. And she, she went, as, as loud as she was screaming, not taking no for an answer and coming into this place. She's now standing there and her baby is kicking. And that she went from absolute desperation and brokenness to the most powerful woman on the earth, right? She, she, she's standing there saying Jesus Christ is real. She was a Hindu. She was a Hindu. And now she's declaring that Jesus Christ is real. Okay? And the only reason she came is because she heard that, that a guy with miracles and stuff is coming. And didn't matter who, who it was, but now she's claiming Jesus Christ because her baby came to life. Right? And so I didn't stop there because the, 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 the woman was an illustration. The woman in the, in the biblical meaning of a woman is the church, right? The bride. Okay? So the prophecy to the body to these 430 pastors was that the Lord is removing the constriction that you put on your body, that you put on your bride. You, the pastor, you put that constriction on your bride because you hold back His Holy Spirit. And today His power of the Holy Ghost is removing this demonic uh, theology because it is a demonic theology that is anti-Holy Spirit. Make no, make no bones about it. And I am removing this, says the Lord. I am removing this constriction. And just as I brought this woman's baby back to life, I'm bringing my church back to life. What do you think happened after 430 pastors got baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, and are supernaturally set on fire? How many people do you think they went back and touched? 430,000? 43,000? I don't know. How many? A hundred? Do they each have a hundred? Do they each have five hundred? Do they each have a thousand? How many people are they going to touch in their life that says, I saw this woman come forward with a dead baby and she left with a baby kicking and then we all started praying in this strange language and we felt the fire of God because that's what happened. Guess what? You know what I preached? I preached for 20 minutes on the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. That He came to send the power of God upon you. And the miracle that you just saw will work through every one of you. Mm. Right? Yeah. The next thing you know, they're sitting there and they're, they're going, Oh, oh, but I all saw my, 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 my. And then that one, two, three, four. And it's like a fire wave that starts to flow through, through these guys. And they're all praying in the Holy Ghost. And we sat there. You know what we did for over an hour? Fifteen minutes in, all of a sudden one guy runs up and he's talking to my interpreter. And, I, and, and an interpreter comes over to me and he says, this guy says he has this vision. And so we bring him, right? He starts to explain his vision. So we bring him up on stage and he, I teach him how to release his vision. And the revision he released, the next thing you know, there's pastors laying on their face because the glory of God 
that was the prophecy that came out of this guy who didn't know the Holy Ghost suddenly 20 minutes later is praying in the Holy Spirit and now he gets a vision. He releases a vision and the, and the glory of God is falling on the people, right? The glory of God is falling on the people. 10 minutes later, another guy comes. And guess what? You know what we did all day? The Holy Ghost trained pastors that if you pray in the Holy Ghost, I will speak to you. I will speak to you. Not if, but I will speak to you. We literally prayed in tongues for hours. And I let the Holy Spirit teach His people way more than I could ever teach. Way more. Way more. I got one. I got a vision. I got a vision. Oh my gosh, I got a vision. Everybody's going, I got a vision. And they learned to prophesy. The whole intent of, of Paul begging his church, begging the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I wish you all prayed in tongues even more than you prophesy. Why? Because if you interpret the will of God and you release His living voice, the body is edified. The body is created. The darkness is judged. Right? The body is supernaturally equipped and empowered. Amen? 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 Satan doesn't fear a church that allows people to come on an altar and say, yes, Jesus. He actually fears a church that embraces the gift that Jesus gave. The empowerment of Christ. Right? The, the supernatural empowerment of Christ. You with me, church? Yes. <laughs> Amen? And so that really gets, gets to you guys. Amen? I want to I talk to you about... Um, a dream I had this morning, because that dream that dream is about you, and I believe the Lord wants to impart something to you. Do you do you, do you believe the 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 removal of the constriction off of his bride in India? That all started with a dream that the Lord woke up woke me up with that morning, right? So if he woke me up this morning with this dream, do you think he has an intent? Amen. All right. So in this dream. Um, <clears throat> In this dream this morning, I wake up and the Lord, the Lord, uh, I woke up. I was, I, I have these dreams a lot, but in, in this dream, I was preaching and I was prophesying over these people. I love to do it. I dream about it. I literally dream about it. And I, I'm literally, I'm literally, I have these two guys. I have my hand on each one of their heads and I'm, and I'm prophesying. And all of a sudden the Lord woke me up out of the dream and he, sh he shows me this vision. He shows, he shows me on my knees in heaven, and um, I, I, when, I put, when I put my head up, he, he's walking toward me. And I stand up, and he's holding this ivory box, okay? This little ivory box. He hands it to me. I take the, the lid off of the, the white ivory box, and uh, there's a scroll in it. So I, I take the scroll out, um, and as I take the scroll out, I, I also see that there's this group of angels that are now standing behind Jesus. And there's one. There's this one particular angel that's this lead angel. His name's the Reaper. The, the Lord has introduced me, introduced this angel to me probably about six or seven years ago. And I see this angel um, at different times when I, when I go places. And so this, this particular angel is standing behind Jesus as I'm now holding this scroll that I took out of the box he gave me. Okay? Je Jesus touches the wax on the scroll, the wax melts off, and I can open the scroll, okay? And when I open the scroll, 
um, I see this childlike picture where I'm standing in front of a, of a person and I'm reaching inside of this person and uh, as I'm reaching inside of this person I, I grab hold of this demonic power and this angel called the Reaper and these other angels are all reaching at the same time and they begin pulling this entity out with me. Okay? Jesus, um, Je- Jesus starts to, to speak to me at this moment and he, he makes this statement to me. Um, he says, be conscious of driving out demons. Be conscious of driving out demons. Okay, and I, I want I, I want you to to, to uh, realize what Jesus is saying in this moment. Um, there's a scripture written on the bottom of, of the picture, and it says Luke eleven twenty. Um, Luke eleven twenty says, "If I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of heaven has come upon you." Right, and so. The finger of God, what is the finger of God? The finger of God is actually the, the, the Holy Spirit. It is God's hand. What, so what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's hand on earth. It is the, the one who will execute the work, right? And so when the, when the Lord is saying, be conscious, right? Be, be conscious of casting out demons. Do you think He's pointing you in a direction? Do you think He has an intent? of where He wants you to set your mind? Do you think there's going to be deliverance coming to any of you? Yes. <laughs> Are you getting a picture? I mean, can you, I mean, I don't know. I, I can feel the presence of, of the... There's a presence dropping in here right now. Right? There, there, is a, there is... The Lord is actually showing up to confirm His vision. Yes. And He's saying, I'm calling you to be conscious of casting out demons. How many, how many of you fight the demonic world? How many of you think that your life goes smoothly and you just beat yourself up once in a while and you just work harder and everything kind of works itself out? Or do you recognize that um, behind every lie, behind every deception, behind every stronghold is a voice that is not the Holy Spirit, it's actually a demonic yes. voice. Yes. Right? So why would you give any place to the devil in beating yourself up, in any limitation, any inability, any fear you feel, any anxiety you feel, any panic you feel, why would you actually give your enemy a place when Jesus is saying, be be conscious of casting out demons? Jesus is saying, be conscious and wage war. Right? In, In righteousness, judge and make war. Right? In, in Isaiah 11, it, it, it describes Jesus with the sevenfold Spirit of God on Him. It says um, Jesus was, was clothed in the Spirit of wisdom, um, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, meaning intimacy, and the fear of the Lord. And it goes on and He says, Jesus did not judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye, but he judged with the gift of true discernment. Jesus discerned the presence of God, the vision of God, and he discerned his enemy. Right? And he discerned that when the voice of God, the vision was coming, it was coming to judge something. So when the Lord gives you a vision and a dream, 
What do you think? That's just a lollipop. Get real. We're going. We're going to the arcade today. We're going to hang out today. Or is he coming to confront a lie? Yes. My experience, just like Jeremiah, I'm going to touch your mouth. I'm going to give you my dream and vision. It will root up, destroy, and tear down. It will build and plant my kingdom. If he tells Jeremiah that when he gives him a vision, that he's bringing his vision to judge the darkness, right? He, before he can plant, he needs to rip something out. You with me? Before, before the call to India, he had to rip a lot of stuff out, baby. He had to rip out a lot of inability, a lot of self-reliance. A lot of shaking and panic level fear. Right? I mean, I'm standing in front of thousands of people with police lined up. I could, I could literally be taken down the street, beat by the Hindus, which they do over there. I mean, they, they literally, it's illegal to actually preach on the street. Right? And so, I'm, do you think I was ready to do that before the Holy Ghost? Or even five years into the Holy Ghost, I had he had to rip he had to rip so much fear out of me. He had to rip so much inability out of me. He had to redefine me, and it only came from a lot of come out in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I was so conscious of casting out devils. It was like, all right, Lord, and He'd show me this nice, pretty little vision, and then He'd show me this serpent, you know, doing something, and I'm like, all right, let's do it in the name of Jesus. Panic, leave my life now in Jesus' name. Ah, right? Can anybody relate to that? Amen. And so the army of the Lord um, is actually built in the in the conscious connection to the Holy Ghost and recognizing that He is for you and not against you. That's right. Right? He is so for you, He's not against you. John John 16, verse 11 um, Jesus is actually describing when the Holy Spirit comes, He will do three things, right? Number one, He will convict the world of sin, meaning you need a Savior. He will convict the world of righteousness, number two, meaning that when the blood of Jesus comes on you, He takes the old you and He makes you new. Number three is that when the Holy Spirit comes, He will judge Satan. So if you are not functioning in the demeanor, in the nature of recognizing you have an enemy and not only is Jesus trying to, He's already made you, He's convicted you of sin, you become a a, a follower of Jesus, He makes you righteous, He makes you new, right? The third thing is you become a hunter-killer. You actually literally become a hunter-killer of the enemy that hunted you. What would happen with the the first demon that you cast out and drive out of your life, your family's life, do you think that they don't talk? The first demon that's cast out of you and your family, they run back, right? Jesus said that when a demon's cast out, they're shocked. They're like shaken. Oh my gosh, I lost my home. Right? That's, that's, that's Luke 11. Read about it. When the demon is cast out, they're shaken. I lost my home. They go into dry places. They find no rest. So they find seven buddies... And they come back and they try to overpower you. But you're like, no way, baby. Not today. The Lord has called me to judge panic. The Lord has called me to judge depression. The Lord has called me to judge fear. The Lord has called me to judge inability. Right? 
and, and, and the next thing you know, it's like your prayer life becomes this war place of war where, where you roll out of bed and it's like, all right, who are we fighting next? What are we doing now? Who, who are we going after today, Lord? Right? Deliver me. Come on, deli- there's a deliver me, Lord, peace. But then there's an accountability where Jesus is saying, I uh, want you to be conscious of casting out devils. So if you were to take inventory in your life, how many have uh, cast demons out of their out, out of themselves? I, I've done self-deliverance. There you go. How, how many have never cast a demon out of themselves? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> oh, I'm good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with me. <laughs> well, you, you're, I'm, I'm going to be very frank with you, and this may offend some people, but if you've never had a demon cast out of you, either by yourself or by somebody else, you're fooled. Demons are part of those demonic or those evil thoughts. Yes. Right? That when you're laying there and that panic comes on you, uh, and you're starting to shake, and you just can't stop the rat trap from rolling in your head. Do you think that's just you? Heck no, that's not just you. That's about a hundred of his friends coming down on you, breathing demonic fire on you, trying to intimidate you, trying to keep you from what you're about to become. But if all of a sudden you rise up and you become conscious that Jesus said, Jesus actually said this in Scripture, Mark 16, in my name, you will go into the world and preach the gospel. These signs will follow you. You will cast out demons. You will be conscious of casting out demons. Right? Literally conscious. When I got when I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, you can ask my wife, for about five years, all I did was cast demons out of people. I literally, I can't explain it. I would start to pray for a person and they'd start to shake, and I'd say, That's a demon of XYZ, and boom, this demon would they'd fall to the ground, start to scream, start to cry. Everywhere I went, all I did was cast demons out of people. Hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I used to stand in the back of the church, and, and, and the Lord would, uh, in the middle of praise and worship, the Lord would start to talk to me, and he'd, he'd highlight a person over there. This is, what I'm gonna, this is what I want you to say to this person. This is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. And I'd wait till service was over. I'd say, hey, man, can I pray for you? I'd walk up. I say, yeah. So I, so I start to pray for him. Next thing you know, it, so it starts to scream and cry, and this demon come out, come out. And you know, um, the point is, guys, um, seeing a lot of demons come out of people, and there's nobody that is that I could say that I that I know in the church world that doesn't really have any demonic issues, <laughs> right? That's a fallacy. That's, that's a lie. That, that, that is actually fed by Satan. If, if Satan can get you fighting yourself, does he have to worry about anything? If you don't believe the foundational element that Jesus is the one who births you, Jesus actually reforms you by birthing you. That's what he means by being born again. What existed before does not exist now. Right? What existed before the encounter with the Holy Spirit is an old thing. And He has made you new. And if He's made you new, you should never be fighting you. Right? Oh my gosh, I just... Man, I wish these thoughts would just go away. I'm so tired of this. 
I just, man, why does this always happen? Why does depression just keep coming back on me? Huh? You're beating yourself up. Instead of being conscious of casting out demons, you spend more time beating yourself up and, and actually becoming a victim of your enemy's design. Instead of believing the prophetic revelation of the Lord that He has a plan for your life, He has a purpose for your life, thoughts of peace, a, a design that He wants to unlock in you. Yes. And it begins by somebody believing, oh my gosh, that could be a demon. That could be a devil. Right? That could, that could be uh, a demonic entity. Right? So, you know, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. <laughs> but, you know, can you relate? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? So, does anybody feel convicted? Like maybe they need to start fighting? Yeah. yeah? How about this? How about how about we just we stand up and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you. Um, <laughs> just say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you sent your Son. Thank you that you sent your son to die for my sins. To die for my sins. I thank you that you came to make me new. Not to leave me in my old ways. Not to leave me in my old ways. Not to leave me a victim. Not to leave me a victim. Not to leave me powerless. Not to leave me powerless. But you came to turn the table. But you came to turn the table. To release the wind out of heaven. To release the wind out of heaven. To baptize me in fire. To baptize me in fire. That I would dream your dream. And I would dream your dream. And see your vision. And see your vision. That I would become. That I would become. What you have destined me to be. What you have destined me to be. For you have made me new. For you have made me new. According to your promise. According to your promise. And I am a son of the promise. And I am a son of the promise. Not a victim of the darkness. Not a victim of the darkness. You said. You said, in Luke 24, in Luke 24, to stay here, to stay here, until I send the promise of the Father. Until I send the promise of the Father. <laughs> so, Lord, I am here to be made new again. I ask to receive the impartation. To receive the impartation of being conscious of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Of being conscious of Your vision, Lord. That I would be. Conscious, conscious of your command here today, that I should take up serpents and cast out demons. I will fight the fight. I will fight the fight. I will not be a victim. I will not be a victim. But I will be the victor. But I will be the victor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I command fear. I command fear to leave my life. To leave my life. I command depression. I command depression to leave my life. To leave my life. I command brokenness. I command brokenness to leave my life. To leave my life. I command pain. I command pain to leave my life. To leave my life. I command all anxiety. I command all anxiety to leave me now. Leave me now. Every demonic power. Every demonic power. Leave me now. Leave me now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, take a deep breath. 
Is everybody here praying in tongues? Is there anybody here that doesn't pray in tongues? That would like to pray in tongues? You would like to? Amen. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, I, just, I release the baptism of the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let the power uh, be released right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You got it. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T.org, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.